love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. What an incredible transformation in my perspective from those early days after the injury where I would have traded my soul for the use of my legs. I wanted it all back. I thought I'd been, like, given the cruelest blow ever um, to now in this place thinking that I'm the luckiest person on the planet and how grateful I am for, you know, the the privilege um, of learning and growing and uh, and striving through it and continuing to strive through it each day. Welcome back to the Canadian Love Map. I'm Nancy Regan. We're serving up part two of my conversation with Amanda and Rick Hansen today. In part one, they set the scene. We heard the beautiful love story of how they met and how Rick managed to convince Amanda to drop everything to join the Man in Motion tour. Today... Their story gets deeper and richer, so much so I can't resist the pun that I'm about to spew. Sorry about this. Rick Hansen, Canadian hero and icon, shows how open-hearted he is, revealing himself as the man in emotion. Okay, so here's another story that, Rick, you've told me. We've known each other for many years, and this is my first time meeting Amanda, and I'm always so interested to hear about when you got back to North America and you were coming up the eastern seaboard. It seems to me that Amanda played a really pivotal role in that moment when things weren't quite as exciting as they had been in China and it, people weren't aware of what, what you were doing. Yeah, we had great hopes with the momentum out of China and getting prepared for the States and expecting that momentum to keep building up the eastern seaboard and across Canada at the home stretch. And when we came back to Florida, it was pretty quiet. I mean, people who knew about it were, you know, enthusiastic, but we just didn't get the word out. We just organizationally weren't able to crack the nut. And it was really, really frustrating. And I just got into this real funk because I was tired and um, I was kind of disappointed to say the least and didn't have a lot of perspective. And I was thinking, trying to project, we'd had, I'd made an agreement to delay the pace, uh, slow it down a little bit to 80 kilometers a day to give more room for organizing and to make it more, um, you know, impacting. And this meant six more months, you know, on the tour, which meant coming across Canada in the middle of winter and so I had all this in my mind, and yet now I'm in the, in, you know, in in the in the funk of being disappointed, and and I basically got to a place where, you know, just after Florida, I just said, look, I'm uh, I'm done. I I, I I'm what's the point? Uh, I'm 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 going to quit. Mm-hmm. And what kept you going? Oh, I wish you could see the look you. between them right now. <laughs> Somebody Amanda get a kept- screen grab of that. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> Amanda, Amanda tell, tell me yeah. from your perspective about that moment. Well, you know, 
I, my heart just broke for Rick because at that point, I mean, we were all obviously disappointed, but mostly we were disappointed for Rick because to have been by his side, you know, all those months and uh, years and to know that he had reached that point where he truly thought he, he couldn't do it. And yeah, we were so close. And I understood, I understood. And, and we even had, um, you know, people from the office saying, well, maybe you should fly back and do an event in, in Toronto. And maybe you should, you know, we can do some, and, and you know, and, and, and I remember saying to Rick, you, you cannot leave the road hmm. and you, you cannot stop that, you know, this, this, this is an understand. I mean, I was actually surprised that it, took that long for it to happen. I thought he'd have his break point much earlier than that. I was quite surprised that it was there. And then, um, so, you know, he just needed support. He needed someone to listen and, you know, and I was that person for him and, and I'm glad that I was that person for him because I'm not quite sure what he would have done. Um, because, you know, he's stubborn. <laughs> mm. And sometimes when he gets, you know, ideas in his head, he does not let go of them. So in this one was, this took a little persuading um, because it wasn't just, oh, you'll be fine. That wasn't what he needed. He right. needed to talk it through. He needed to, to, to sort of believe in himself again and realize and have faith that yes, indeed, you know, what we hoped would happen was going to happen. We just had to have faith. Yeah, and I couldn't see it. Uh, I at the time, I I really was losing it, and uh, I needed someone there for me at that most critical time. And uh, Amanda was there, and yeah, and she she really believed in me and the dream, and and uh, that was enough for me at the time. So she described her role as having supported you through that. But Rick, what it sounds like to me, going back to that image of St. Elmo's fire is she relit your fire. Yeah. 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 And you know, that's the thing about a team and a journey. And there's sometimes, you know, when people are no longer supporting their leading and, uh, you know, we all take turns on the journey and, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, hmm. that was one time, you know, uh, one big time when I needed Amanda to, uh, to really be there. And, and she was amazing. Mm -hmm. Was that moment a big seed of your decision to marry her or to at least ask her to marry you? Yeah. Do you think there was, do you think there was a moment there when you were like, oh, okay, she's one to ride the river with sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there, there's a, there's cumulative experiences when you go to battle and of life and, and the tour was a huge crucible. And, you know, uh, for me, uh, one of my biggest challenges in relationships was, first of all, um, being able to cross that intimacy gap and, uh, you know, and, and to be able to really connect. And, and then the second was trust. And, uh, and trust is, you know, it's knowing that, uh, Yeah, it's knowing that someone will be there um, and won't, won't walk away when the going gets tough and when you need them most. And I think, uh, well, I think yeah, Amanda demonstrated that huh. yeah. time and time again. <laughs> that might be the understatement of the century. 
Yeah, and so how how could you not love someone and um, and think about the future when uh, when you're lucky enough to have someone like that in your life? Mm, yeah, so beautiful. And that was a moment that started a turnaround as well because I know. I know you then got a big sponsor on board and you headed for Canada with a renewed uh, sense of vigor. Yeah, it was unbelievable what literally just around that corner at that time when Amanda encouraged me to hang in there, there, there was the, you know, the appearance of Michael J. Fox and, you know, being on the, you know, the, the Today Show uh, with Brian, Brian Gumbel and, yeah. and, you know, and meeting Bobby Orr in Boston and, <laughs> And it was, you know, it was, yeah, amazing. Coming back to St. John's, Newfoundland, you know, the folks in Newfoundland were just amazing. You know, it was my 29th birthday and and it was an incredible birthday moment. And we were welcomed home to our country and it started a momentum that just cascaded across the country. And, and it was so close to not being that moment because I was ready to give up hope. Mm. Yeah, it's that's a beautiful part of the story. I met you when you went through Bedford, Nova Scotia, and mm. I remember the electricity in the crowd and the sheer disbelief of, of what you had accomplished. I don't remember meeting Amanda, but I sure remember meeting you. And I agreed with her at the time that you were handsome and, and charming. <laughs> and, and then, of course, when we met later on in the years when I was broadcasting, uh, we struck up a friendship. But I am really anxious to know the story of how the engagement actually happened. Well, it started actually when I made up my mind in, you know, truly made up my mind in uh, South Carolina. And uh, when Mike and I, uh, Amanda's brother, had been sent on the road to look after her and, hey. and, and keep, <laughs> and I didn't even keep, her, after. keep her away from me. <laughs> and he obviously failed miserably. Uh, so I, we were together 24 7, Amanda and I, and so it was hard to find any moments where you could actually kind of pull anything over on her. And, and so uh, I had to actually literally fake uh, an argument uh, and, uh, and it was over something and I can't even remember what it was, but it was, uh, and I just slammed, slammed the door and wheeled <laughs> off and Mike had been waiting for me and, and we, we went off to the jewelers and uh, picked out a ring and I had to borrow money from everybody to, <laughs> to pay for it. I promised I'd pay it back. And, 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 and I uh, didn't have any money, but I, I promised I would. And so uh, we bought the ring and Mike kept it for months until we ended up uh, in uh, in Shediac, New Brunswick. And uh, and that was the moment when I finally uh, in this, I didn't know when that would be, um, but I knew, uh, you know, this had to be it because it was, uh, it was just the right moment. And there was a little motel room and uh, this, the owner gave up his personal room um, and uh, you know, he had a little refrigerator set up and some champagne and lobster and, and a little teddy bear, <laughs> personal teddy bear there. And uh, it was, it was uh, like, it wasn't exactly your, uh, your bachelor <laughs> moment or no, bachelorette moment, <laughs> but uh, probably 
not even close to the script, but at the end of the day, it was heartfelt. And that was when we, uh, we, we got to that moment where I proposed. Okay. That's one for the ages. Amanda, tell <laughs> me from your perspective about that moment that he popped the question. Well, I mean, again, you, you have to picture that motel room uh, that we, that we were staying in. And, and I mean, honest to goodness, I, it was, you know, it was an older decor and it was this guy's personal teddy bear on the bed. And it was, you know, um, we had a, we actually did have a lobster dinner, which was quite fancy. <laughs> and uh, Plastic and bibs and all? Did you have plastic bibs? <laughs> I think we didn't get the bibs. We should have though. That would have been a nice touch. Uh, and then, <clears throat> so had our moment and we got up the next morning and a couple of the crew member noticed, because I actually had the ring on, um, but we had sworn and, and, and uh, our manager had told the manager of the motel, because she thought it'd be special for him to know that that's where it happened. But she swore him to secrecy until we could get through the wheeling day and then make an announcement, tell our family first. And then, you know, because there's mm -hmm. no time, right? We were hitting the road. Yeah. And so we wheel that day. And we um, end our day in Petakodiak, and we get there's messages waiting for us, and from family, and they're going, "What? What? You didn't tell us what's going on? It was already on the news." So I guess the motel manager, in his excitement, had to tell somebody, and then that somebody had to tell somebody, and the next thing we know, it's on the news, and our whole family knows, and we haven't been able to tell anybody, and. We're not sure whether it was the hotel manager or not. It, no one will really tell. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. well, I think it's kind of sweet if it was him, actually, yeah. to be yeah. honest. I think so, too. And, I and think that, that excitement, as you say, he couldn't contain it. And it was so cute because a number of years later, we'd already had, uh, I think, our oldest daughter, Emma. We got a package in the mail and it was the teddy bear. And he, he, he said in his little note, he said, this Teddy has never been the same. Stop uh, He it. needs to be with you guys, not with me. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. So that is. So do you still have the teddy bear? Uh, You'd better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Somewhere somewhere in storage, we have that teddy bear. In the archives. He was, he was a beaten up teddy bear. He'd been around a long time. Oh, well, I can, that, that's like Rick on that tour, you know, the beating that his body took, <laughs> I suppose there's something to be, there's a yeah, similarity yeah, to yeah, be drawn. Yeah. yeah. It was okay. very sweet of him. I have to say, my goodness. That is, that is an absolutely beautiful story. And, and I have yeah. to speed along now to the end of the tour. I, I could talk to you for five days straight and uh, not let you go, but I know that's not the agreement here today. So <laughs> I, I do think though, that there was another really important role that Amanda played when you had finished the tour, Rick, and you had to decide what you were going to do next, that shifting gears moment. What was, what was her contribution going back to that sense of you being a team? What was her contribution in that choice moment well yeah here we are like finished the tour then that was in may of 87 and then we ended up having our our wedding on october 10th uh not that long later and at the time i'd set a goal that i was going to you know finish the tour help wind it down and set up everything from you know the legacy fund point of view and 
you know, the board and the foundation and stuff. And then we were just going to get back into my athletic career and regain my world title. And, uh, you know, and, and who knows where I would be, you know, X number of months later, but I was struggling and wasn't able to get motivated and, and I uh, had to come to a big decision that, you know, my life had changed beyond the fact that we were married, that, you know, the whole experience of the tour had changed me. And, uh, you know, and Amanda and I talked a lot about it and, and she really supported my retirement. And, uh, you know, and that was a big, uh, a big transformation, letting go of a big part of my identity and, and then finding confidence to be able to recognize the skills that I had accumulated you know, over all those years and, and apply them in other disciplines. And you know, we, we decided that we would actually accept a role to be the commissioner general for Expo 88 in Brisbane to get away from the hype of uh, the Canadian uh, awareness of, um, the, of what I was all about and, and, uh, and get settled and, and get our life on track and, try to come back at it from a place of integrity of where, where we're at today and where we're moving towards the future. And that was a huge, that was a huge step because I, I think if there was a real pull to want to just keep, keep going um, on that momentum. And I wasn't, I was not ready for that. And, uh, and, and yet I clearly wasn't ready to go back to an old goal that was no longer relevant. So I needed that time and that space and uh, she really supported that decision and was there with me on that. It was uh, huge. This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. You had raised over $26 million dollars which was that a shock to you? Yeah, we set a goal of a million at the beginning because <laughs> fundraising was a secondary objective and it was so hard to start. We, we upped it to 10 million because we thought, well, it's so hard to start. Let's at least set a, a, an ambitious goal, which we thought was completely unattainable and, and raising 26 was, uh, yeah, exponential. And, and it was really a big responsibility. And so we, we really honored that and, and uh, set it in motion so that it would pay dividends and and have an impact, uh, not just for the moment, but for the future. And and uh, here we are, thirty five years later, and it's uh, it's still paying dividends because the foundation is established, and you know it's no longer one man in motion; it's many, and uh, we have a board of directors. It's been stellar, and a and a, and a CEO and staff and volunteers and supporters and and people involved in the movement and and it's it's their movement not mine and and that's uh, it's our movement and so it's really satisfying to think that you know Amanda and I and the team that that really started that journey and all those who supported it during the Man in Motion tour created something that was a wonderful beginning. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, amazing to know. Uh, at the time, we couldn't have foreseen it, but that's how it unfolded for sure. Amanda, what credit will you take in helping Rick on that path to creating the Rick Hansen Foundation? Oh, you know, I 
I choose not to take credit, really. I know, <laughs> but I'm putting way. you on the spot. Yeah. Um, I think what became apparent when we got home, um, we were both completely burnt out. Um, Rick on every level um, physically was a huge toll on him and the recovery from the tour took a long, long time. So as far as the foundation goes, I mean, in, it, we knew, and, and, and after the tour was over, all of a sudden, you know, the, the volunteers have gone home and, you know, there's a very small group of people trying to manage this, um, this money, the society at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what was our role going to be? And, I kind of, I originally thought, well, I'll go back to work and, you know, Rick will go off and be a phys ed teacher and, you know, we'll live a normal life. And, <laughs> and then, but all this stuff was still around. There was letters and, you know, p things pouring in and, and it, it was in every aspect of our life. Every waking moment of our life was still all about the tour. And so we had to come to an understanding that this was our life and this was going to be our life. And as much as we might have thought, okay, that chapter's done, let's just move on, that wasn't going to happen. And, mm -hmm. and it was a conscious decision. Um, it wasn't an easy one because it wasn't what I thought was going to happen and I don't think it's what Rick thought. But together, we knew there was no other option. And so, and it required both of us to buy in on it because it, it again, as I say, it, it was part of every second of our life. It had taken on a life of its own, really. It had, it had. And yet it was intri intricately linked with us, right? Yeah. And there was an integrity to it that Amanda, you know, uh, again, like in, like in many steps and decisions on the journey during the tour and afterward and in our life, you know, we're a partnership and we're a team and her advice and perspective has always been integral and uh, incredibly valuable because uh, we were able to kind of forge decisions together and and you know speak our minds and and be honest with each other and and try to find truths and and i think the truth was we had a responsibility but not only to what we'd created and the promise we made to canadians and people around the world but also a, 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 a truth to our lives. And, and we had to start to really reflect on who we were as we were growing up and what purpose we had, you know, real purpose, not just goals or activities or pastimes. And, and, and how did that resonate? And, and it, yeah, it took that space, that reflection, set up that responsibility. Where do you want to be? And, and in reality, you know, as time went on, it, it converged back again. And uh, mm -hmm. here we are, you know, in, in perfect sync and harmony with that promise and, uh, and that resonance and, and still moving forward as human beings in the balance of our relationship, our family, and, and our commitment to, uh, you know, paying it forward and making a difference and making the world healthier and more inclusive. Well, you have done that. You have done that in in a way no one ever could have foreseen. I think, including you, no matter how big your dreams were. But I, I did laugh when Amanda said, "You know, we thought we were going to get back to a normal life." I couldn't help but yeah. chuckle. Like, oh, so much. I for know that. we really did. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, you have literally had to share your husband with Canadians. For your whole marriage, you know, I'm not the only Canadian who's in love with your husband. They're they're all across the country in in the most platonic, most honorable way. 
Um, but you're in love with the man and you've had also this private life. I know it's been hard probably at times because he has such a public uh, persona and he's been out there so much and traveling. But tell me about the beautiful private life you have um, fostered and cultivated. Well, yeah, exactly. We have. And it has been very intentional. Um, and I, first and foremost, you know, I can say without a doubt that Rick has been the most devoted and, um, present husband and father through all of this. And regardless of how much he has to give of himself to others, and he does it happily. So when he comes home at the end of the day, there's never a question as to, why he's there and who he's there for. So that has always been kind of the benchmark of how we've lived our lives. We did purposely um, lead a very simple life with our, our girls, and we did not make big fanfare of who Rick was at a, to a point where I can remember one day Emma came back and said, mom, there's this video in our library at school and it's about dad. <laughs> and we're going, and I went, what, have we told her about you? We only around the world yet? Like, did we forget to tell her that one? Um, but you know, we just, we really wanted them to have an absolutely normal everyday regular life. And I think we succeeded at that. You know, I, I really do. And, um, you know, th there were challenges to it and there were times when they didn't get their dad when they wanted to get their dad, if they were going to the P and E, the exhibition, and they were on his lap and they were heading to the roller coaster and he's got to stop about 20 times along the way. <laughs> um, that got a little old. Yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> dad, yeah. you know, that person I go, no, sweetie. And, well, <laughs> How come you keep talking to these strangers? You tell us to never talk to strangers. <laughs> oh, like, they were too smart. <laughs> oh, and you know, it, it's it, political life is like that, but political yeah. life typically has is, is finite, and yours just goes on yeah. and on. So, so yeah, you don't exactly. get to step out of political office and go back to anonymity. Um, yeah, exactly. So, your grandparents now. And I know oh. that that has given Rick such joy. I'm sure it has you, Amanda, as well. Oh, it, it absolutely has. You know, it's been the greatest gift. I mean, everyone tells you this, and it's not wrong, you know, that the best thing about being a grandparent is that you get to do it all over again, but without the day-to-day -day responsibilities of, you know, the putting them to bed every night and all of that. But honestly, our grandsons are such a beautiful, beautiful delight to us. They, we get to see them. Uh, we're lucky that way. And um, yeah, no, I just, you know, and they're boys, you know, so it's different than the girls we raised. Get the hormonal balance finally. Which is kind of fun too. <laughs> you had three girls and now two grandsons. Love it. Yeah, well, three grandsons. Yeah. We did have yes. uh, Reed was our firstborn uh, grandson and he passed sadly uh, at birth. But uh, we still very much consider that we have three grandsons, Reed, Everett, and Atticus, and they are everything. They yeah. really are. And you, you learned in that chapter how much love and grief are connected, didn't you? Very much so. That was such a painful, difficult, tragic time. And um, most assuredly, uh, toughest on our daughter and son-in-law uh, losing their first child 
Um, but for all of us, it was catastrophic. We didn't think, we didn't expect, we never in a million years imagined that something like that could happen. And yet stillbirth is, is common, mm -hmm. uh, common enough that it should be talked about um, more um, because it's a huge loss and it's, it's so painful. A what, knot in the umbilical cord, you know, like who would have imagined? I know, I like, know. Yeah, and a perfect pregnancy and... A full-term beautiful baby boy. One, yeah. one moment you're 24 hours away from welcoming your grandson into the world and, and the next moment you're told something is unimaginable. Yeah. Yeah, it's life uh, and no one's immune from it and we all have to endure the ups and downs and challenges that are just around the corner and... Fortunately, they they uh, worked hard, and those two, uh, Emma and Aaron, stayed together and and uh, lived it with grace. and mm -hmm. And their grief is truly a reflection of their love yeah. for Little Reed, and those ours. And mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, we honor him every day. Mm -hmm. Rick, I also know, and I found this so inspiring that your daughter took a page out of your book and took a very painful chapter and turned it into purpose because she created a book, a beautiful book about her experience, right? She did. Uh, actually, someone approached her because she couldn't really speak a lot about her experiences, you know, in her grief. But she wrote, you know, in her blog and her posts and, and someone asked her to consider putting her experience and thoughts into a book and she agreed. And you know, uh, last year, uh, she came up with, uh, you know, this beautiful tribute to Little Reed and also, you know, uh, to Everett and Atticus and, and uh, being a, a loving mother in grief and in love and on her journey. And so uh, we're super proud of her. And we hope um, because so many people around the world came to her uh, to offer encouragement and support during this difficult time and to talk about a stigma that's often not discussed and and so we hope that uh, her legacy and her book is there to help encourage others who will go through it inevitably um, many times uh, over these uh, years to come and it's definitely a, a great legacy for her children and for our family for sure it's another of those pieces of love that i talked about at the beginning of this conversation love is wound through your story in so many ways what is it, Rick, that you love most about Amanda? Wow. What I love most about Amanda is her vitality for life. I love her integrity. I love the fact that she is aligned in the values that we have and share. I love her commitment uh, and loyalty for our relationship and our journey. And, and I love the fact that she is a, a dedicated mother and is the CEO of our home and uh, and essentially our family and 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 blows me away with her wisdom and her insight, and she's a true inspiration to me. I I, uh, I admire her immensely, I respect her, and I'm uh, I'm her biggest fan. Well, biggest that, fan. That's a tough act to follow, Amanda. But the the floor yeah, is yours now. Yeah, why didn't now. you ask me first? <laughs> <laughs> what is it you love most about Rick, Amanda? Wow, it's that's a big, uh, big question and a big answer. Um, what I love most about Rick, um, his integrity, uh, his strength, his compassion, his vulnerability that mm -hmm. people don't often know about, 
his ability to see the big picture. Uh, his, he's a visionary, and that's a real gift, um, and not a lot of people have it to the, to the extent that he does. And he is loyal, and he is loving. And he, as I said at the beginning, he has and is the best husband and father that I've ever been witness to. And that's saying a lot because my dad was pretty special. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so great. I, I guess I, I'd like to end, and I wouldn't like to end at all, to tell you the truth. I'd like to keep going. But I'd, I'd like to end with something that really struck me in my soul when Rick said this to me one time. And that was, I asked him, you know, if he could go back and change, would he trade the life that he's lived for the use of his legs again? And, and Rick, what, what is your answer to that? Yeah, I'd never go back and change my life for the use of my legs. What, a, what an incredible transformation in my perspective from those early days after the injury where I would have traded my soul for the use of my legs. I wanted it all back. I thought I'd been like given the cruelest blow ever um, to now in this place thinking that I'm the luckiest person on the planet and how grateful I am for, you know, the, the privilege um, of learning and growing and, uh, and striving through it and continuing to strive through it each day and to have been so blessed with the people that I've met, the lessons I've learned. Um, and what really matters, you know, is to be fortunate enough to, to be whole and to give love and to receive it, to be part of a family, to have uh, a loving wife, um, partner, children, grandchildren, a purpose in life and, and being on an adventure to try to unfold each day and just keep stretching it out for as long as you can with every breath. And that's, uh, yeah, why would I trade that for anything? It's, uh, it's been amazing. So beautiful. Thank you both for everything you have given to our country. Thank you for doing this today. And thanks for your inspiring love story. Really beautiful. Well, thank you, thank Nancy, you, Nancy. And thanks for your friendship over all these years. It's been a wonderful journey, and I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you in person in Halifax when the cloud parts and we get to travel again. Hallelujah. Me too. <laughs> Stay healthy. Have a wonderful Christmas with your family. Thank you. Okay. You as well. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.